to a priest, a rabbi, and a minister walk into a radio station. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci. I'm usually joined by Jay Horrigan, but he's unable to be with us today and is missed. But we are going to go ahead and step along and do the show. As usual, our faith leaders for the morning are Reverend Kathleen McAdams, Rabbi Tom Alpert, and Reverend Eric Cherry. Good morning, all. Actually, I should say it's afternoon, but whenever we listen, it will be the appropriate time of day. We usually start off the show with a quick check-in and how things are going. And uh, I thought that this morning we would start with Reverend Eric Cherry, and, and then we'll proceed to Reverend Kathleen McAdams. Reverend Eric, how are things going? Thanks so much, Pandora. It's good to be with you and with everyone today. I want to send season's greetings to one and all as we get started and um, uh, offer a, uh, a prayer of, uh, of blessing and hope for all who are participating in the, uh, the holy days of, uh, of, of this uh, part of the year. And um, things at uh, First Universalist Society in Franklin are, are going well. We're uh, living the hybrid life. Uh, and um, I would say half of the congregation is uh, is um, uh, joining us in person for most worship services and the other half uh, joining us uh, online. And um, our, um, our religious education program is uh, is blossoming uh, in surprising ways in this uh, in between uh, time. Uh, and um, we're we're incredibly grateful for how um, how family life is um, is a part of our congregational life at this time. I also want to share with uh, the community that um, I was sorry to miss the radio program last month and that a, a significant change at FUSF is um, is taking place. Um, I'll be departing from the ministry at First Universalist Society as of uh, the end of January of 2022. And a lot of um, emotions, challenging feelings around that for um, for all of us. And um, grateful for the, um, the the generous understanding of the congregation that um, I I really need a chance to um, to step away from active ministry for a period of time and find um, my breath and my center and um, kind of um, some recovery uh, from some of the the challenges of um, of the the COVID time and. I'm grateful that um, people have been understanding about that need. So I'll be back with the program, radio program in January, but wanted to give folks a heads up that that's uh, approaching. Thank you for sharing that information with us. It's it's not easy always to talk about things that are so personal to the heart and to one's own life. You have been a large part of the Franklin community, whether at Interface Services gatherings that have happened on the town common or on the uh, at the Universalist Church. And your presence has been known and uh, felt and rippled throughout the entire Franklin community. But as you acknowledge, there are those times when we need to step back and take care of ourselves. And uh, we will all be thinking of you and uh, keeping you in our prayers and during this uh, time for you of, of reflection and prayer and, and thought. But um, at the same time, we're 
we look forward to having you on the program today and next month, and we'll just uh, move on forward. But, but thank you. Reverend Kathy, do you want to give us a little update? Good morning, Pandora. And I will just second what you said about Reverend Eric, that um, Eric, you've been a, a great presence in the Franklin community, and you will be greatly missed by me as well as the rest of the community. Um, things are going well at St. John's. We're obviously getting ready for Christmas. And uh, we have two services Christmas Eve. Our uh, kids are putting on a pageant at 5 p.m. And then we'll have communion with that. And then at 9 p.m. is our candlelight Eucharist, which is uh, a little quieter and uh, more formal. And then um, we're, we're celebrating Epiphany a little early. We're going to do it on January 2nd with a family service. So uh, we might have... Um, a, a replay of a couple of the numbers from the pageant. Otherwise, yeah, we're still doing the hybrid thing too, in person. We actually uh, are having to limit attendance for the pageant. This is the one of two services of the year where we risk going over our 50% capacity, which is our limit during the pandemic. Um, so we're having people sign up for that. But anyway, yeah, things are things are going along well. Good to be here. I think the services sound beautiful and that they reach out to multiple ages. And I kind of like the idea of repeating some of the pageant service with the, the children on, on the, I'm guessing that's what it was, the pageant services with the children on, on the celebration of the Epiphany on the 2nd of January. Sometimes they go by so quickly and that it's nice to see it, see the children one more time. If, if that is that, did I understand you correctly that that is what is happening or did I misunderstand? You? Yeah, that's correct. Um, it, it, it won't be a large portion of the pageant repeated, but maybe just one or two of the musical numbers. I think that's nice. I think that's very nice. Rabbi Tom, can you give us a little update? Shalom all. And um, there are never going to be enough times to see kids uh, <laughs> leading things. So I'm I think that'll be great. I want to share my um, regard for uh, Eric, and I'm sorry about his leaving, and I'll have more to say about that next week, but it just, uh, you know, what everybody else said, I echo. Let's see. Um, I want to uh, I want to wish a Merry Christmas to all my Christian friends, those who celebrate it. Um, happy Kwanzaa to those who, uh, for whom that is part of their tradition. And we uh, in our synagogue have uh, just uh, gotten, just finished with uh, Hanukkah. That was, we had all kinds of wonderful uh, programming and we came together online. We came together in person. Uh, it was, uh, we all put our luminary out on Beaver Pond on, on uh, that Saturday night, which was two weeks ago this Saturday uh, when we're doing the show, uh, which was just wonderful. So we've had a great time and now we're, we're sort of moving along uh, our normal course of things. Part of Hanukkah for us, Hanukkah is a holiday of rededication. What we did was um, we began our hybrid services. We've been we have not done them yet, had not done them yet because we have such a small sanctuary. We had to get everything sort of arranged and make sure this worked. But we've, we're uh, doing a 50% capacity uh, so people can come in person or online. We're asking if people come in person that they register, not so much because we're so close to the numbers as because um, we want to make sure everybody checks the box that says they're 
they've been fully vaccinated and they don't themselves have COVID symptoms and all are coming with that understanding. But yeah, we've started doing that and uh, are looking forward to continuing. I'm going to be away um, uh, in uh, late December into January. And so for a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a sending a note out to the congregation about this uh, soon. We're doing uh, uh, having them join Zoom services at another uh, synagogue for those Friday nights uh, that I'll be away. Uh, you know, uh, we're doing great stuff. We have we have a bunch of new families join our community over this past year, and they are the, the new people are providing wonderful new energy in all kinds of different ways. And so uh, this is just a, it's a very exciting, good feel around the temple these days. It's great to hear all three of you talk about hybrid services. Uh, and Rabbi Tom, you also talked about um, using Zoom to reach out to uh, another synagogue when you are away. When I think back to our first show, which I think was in June of 2020, you know, we were fully isolated and uh, weren't going into our houses of worship in the in the community. And we've come a long way in the last 18 months from uh, timid efforts at uh, using technology to enhance worship and open the doors of uh, participation in faith to where it's a part of where we are. And we're, you're up to 50% capacity. I think almost all, I think all three of you reference that 50% and uh, uh of in-person attendance, and then being careful that we don't go over that, and then being able to use technology to do the hybrid. I mean, it's it's huge, and it's not impacting uh, participation. And Rabbi Tom, you said you have had more people join the temple in the last year. Yes, yes, we've had, we've had uh, a lot of people. I think have wanted to to come into community, and I think that's been extraordinarily uh, lovely to watch. I think it is, and it shows us that we can um, open the doors to faith in a lot of different ways. And it just doesn't have to be one way. But uh, I thank you all for kind of bringing us up to date. And uh, Reverend Eric, this is going to be a little bit harder show, I think, because we'll be reminded that you're going to be stepping away. But we're so glad we have you for this show and for the January show. So we thank you for that. As our show is always set up, we have a topic of the month. And this This month's topic is family, what our traditions say and how it matters today. And this is a very appropriate topic as um, we've acknowledged the holidays uh, have begun since the early fall all the way through and continue into January. And with holidays, we have family. And uh, we can talk about um, the importance of family and all the different forms that family takes. And we can do that using the lens of faith uh, as our guide in the conversation. And um, Rabbi Tom, since your congregation is experiencing new membership and uh, it's a lot is going on, could you kind of start us and, and share a little bit about uh, the, the importance of family and and forms of family. Mm-hmm. I'd be glad to. Family is has been central to Judaism for a very long time. Um, you know, um, when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, um, 
it's created an issue for, for Judaism because the temple was where the sacrifices were made and that was the way of connecting to God. And we had to find new ways of doing it. And the, the rabbis had various new things. But one of the things that they said in, in these uh, early texts were that um, there would be an idea of a mikdash me'at, which means a small sanctuary. And what was a small sanctuary? It was the home. The home became, in effect, the way that we would bring our offerings to God. And so in Judaism, there's always been that sense that your home, your family um, are central to how we worship, how we connect to God, how we connect to each other, how we connect to the world. I mean, Judaism itself is a religion that starts with a family, with Sarah and Abraham, and develops from there into a people, you know, and in both cases has a connection with God in a sense that you start from these family groups, and that's how you build a connection to God for the whole world, that each family becomes a kind of model and exemplar for how we want to live a good life, how we want to have the importance of what families are about, taking care of each other, listening to each other, understanding each other, and build it. If you can do that at home, then you have to learn to do it in the larger community, first your, your synagogue, then the, the whole world. So, so in Judaism, families are just central to, to almost every, to everything. It, it, you know, it's interesting. We tend to think of the religious events as, as taking place in a building, in a church or a synagogue or a mosque. And certainly, you know, the synagogue in Judaism is important for various things. But the most important Jewish ritual moments are at home. The Passover Seder takes place at home. The lighting of the Hanukkah candles every night, you can do it in the synagogue, but it's really at home around your table. There's a sense that people come together as families to do to, to worship. The, the, the dinner every night for Shabbat, the, for the Sabbath, to start the Sabbath, is probably the most important part of that evening. It is, the, the, uh, it is the, the opportunity to bless children, the opportunity to come together as a family and have a special ritual meal every week. If for, for those who want the quick arts version of this, just to see the, the, the Sabbath dinner and fiddle around the roof. You know, and while that's a show and it's all that, but there's still some truth to that. There is that sense that it is a moment of quiet, that of coming together. And you go to the services, it's nice. You go to, you have Shabbat dinner at home, it's central. So family for Judaism is not the thing that happens in addition to all the other religious parts of life. It is inherently intermixed. It is all part of the same thing. That's a beautiful description because I think many of us look to family and that's where we see first relationships happen, be they the relationship with faith, the relationship with family, how we interact with parents as a child, how children interact with one another. It's modeled for us at home. And as you were saying that it happens at home and then goes out into the community, it's, it's a beautiful description of, of what it is that we do. And, and sometimes we do it and we're not even aware of it. 
but I, I like the um, I like also the repetition that you um, shared with us with regard to Shabbat, uh, the services, and then the family meal in in the home. It's lovely. Um, I would open this up to um, uh, Reverend Eric. Do you want to share? Yeah. Um, so I think. Um... Uh, Rabbi Tom is putting us in a in a really good space in understanding uh, how family matters, why it matters, and what the responsibility of religious communities are um, to families. And um, every person that comes into religious community is carrying the experience of being a part of a family with them. It, it's it's part of like what's in their uh, spirit and their psychology as they come into religious community and um, how they understand that, um, how they experienced um let's say uh, a taste of um, of spiritual life in their family of origin uh, matters a great deal. Um, and what we try to remember is that um, we are fostering that with the children who are in the congregation now, that, that their first uh, tastes, their first experiences of, um, of, uh, of God and uh, the role of, of faith and religion is happening right now. Sort of the religious community is the curriculum. Um, and um, and that um, that's a, a really important responsibility for a, a religious community to have. Um, not only are we teaching children what we're trying to teach them, but we're teaching them every moment that they're in um, in the community's um, embrace. And um, and we 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 have a responsibility to uh, to do that well. Um, I think a little bit about how. Um, one of the uh, the key founders of the Taoist tradition uh, talked about this. Lao Tzu talked about um, how uh, if there was ever going to be peace in the world, you know, first there has to be um, uh, peace in the nations, right? And if there's to be peace in the nations, um, then there has to be peace in the cities. And if there's going to be peace in the cities, then of course there has to be peace between neighbors. And in order for there to be peace between neighbors, there has to be peace in the home. And religious communities are a, an important part of helping there to be peace in the home. We also understand that in order for there to be peace in the home, there has to be peace in the heart, in each individual's um, heart. And so that's kind of the, the way that um, family ministry um, plays out, is um, um, taking that responsibility of, of, of um uh, helping people to to build empathy and um, connection um, and um, to be able to follow paths of confession onto forgiveness um, as a way of um, creating internal peace and peace within the home, within the family, um, which ultimately is what um, peace everywhere um, depends upon. Also want to note that I think in all of our traditions, we uh, have a, a sense that um, that family is not only the people that um, it's not only in relationship to the people that we are born into connection with. Uh, family is also chosen and found and a family that um, embraces us beyond uh, our origins. And uh, for many people, 
religious community is uh, one of the first experiences they have um, that family can actually be healthy and sustaining um, and um, and can be um, uh, a, a way of of um, of getting to know oneself uh, and and uh, trusting oneself and believing in oneself in in new ways by virtue of being chosen by people as a part of their family. And um, at FUSF, we um, we take that responsibility very seriously. And um, yeah, I think that that plays itself out in the way that we worship. Uh, the, um, you know, I think a lot of people at FUSF would say that the time for all ages, which is sort of the family moment during Sunday services is often the best part of the service. A lot of that is a tribute to my colleague, Diana Testy, who's our director of religious education. Uh, she's um, amazing. And, um, and that part of, of weekly worship is, uh, is, is, is very special. Um, and on special um, holiday occasions, it, it, it plays out as well. Uh, uh, last Sunday, our kids had their um, holiday pageant, and um, they, you know, they uh, took the roof off the place with um, with the joy and the exploration and the um, the um, uh, the profound uh, message that, um, that that they shared. And um, this uh, Christmas Eve, one of the ways that um, we engage intergenerationally is by um, inviting uh, children and people of all ages to help to recreate the um, the nativity scene as we share uh, messages from um, Matthew and Luke in um, in the service. And um, you know, I, I think for a lot of us uh, in in, in um, who celebrate uh, Christmas Eve. The intergenerational nature of um, the candlelight singing of uh, Silent Night uh, at the end of the service is a, uh, a sustaining moment of spiritual power throughout the year and throughout the, um, the decades. Um, and so, you know, I look forward to that. We all look forward to that. And um, that's uh, just around the corner now. So uh, something to, to be um, looking forward to very much. You gave such a comprehensive uh, answer and shared so many thought-provoking ideas with us. One that I just kind of want to circle back to for a quick second is the idea that, um, you know, we have the, the family that we're born into, but as we go in life, we do have the chosen family, the found family. We have... Uh, you know, family as we move about in life. Maybe we are living apart from our family for a while due to job or education, and you might find another family at that time. And I think you were talking about the different forms of family and how important they are to us. And because uh, you had talked about the, the Taoist belief going, if I went the opposite way, starting in the heart and the home, out to the neighbors, to the community, to the nations, to the world, the same thing happens in families, whether they're found or within us. Is that, am I understanding your, your thinking? I think that's true, Pandora. I mean, I, you know, it's not my idea, but I, I, I think that there's truth there. 
and um and we we try to we can try to live into it and um um you know if, so i would say that all of us tend to believe that virtue in society is something that we have responsibility for creating like it doesn't come poof out of um out of uh, out of nowhere and one of the ways that we do that is by knowing how important the role of um, of, of family is, and um, peace in the heart and peace in the family is really where it starts, chosen or otherwise. It's uh, lovely, and you're right, chosen or other words. And um, so then, let's circle to um, Reverend Kathy, if you can speak to this with, through the lens of your congregation. Sure. Well, you've all uh, shared such insights. There's not a whole lot left to say, but um, I think, you know, in the Christian tradition, we have the image of the Holy Family, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And uh, that's one of the signs that the family unit is important in that tradition. But I think it's also expansive. Um, I think about Jesus treating his disciples as family and speaking to John from the cross about, about Mary, saying, you know, son, here is your mother, mother, here is your son. But even more important than earthly relationships is our relationship with God. And Jesus called his followers to leave their families and everything else behind to follow him. So there's this sense that, yes, family is important, but nothing is more urgent or important than our relationship with God. I agree. Um, I think that I, I apologize here. Uh, I, I think that uh, all three of you have brought up the uh, different relationships, and you're right, the relationship with God and, and how it happens at, through each different faith. Just for myself, I remember on Sundays, we would go to Mass as a family. We would come home, and we would be together as a family and share that day. That was important, and it, it gave us foundational lessons for life as, as you then go off, because we had the um, foundational knowledge from church, and then you brought it home to the family and then out into the world. And I think that that's the general theme that all three of you have been, have been sharing. In addition to the different uh, forms of family that we see around us, because we do, as, as Reverend Eric had mentioned, that we have chosen families and found families. We have families in, in the community. How do you see the connection between the holiday celebrations and the families in your tradition? And uh, why don't we just do the reverse and we'll begin with Reverend Kathy and we'll go back through Reverend Eric and then to Rabbi Tom. Is, is that okay? Sure. I think that um, I've heard people say that families are people that you don't choose, but people that you're stuck with. and I find that that's not always true, that families can break apart. And just today I heard from a man who told me that a close family member contacted him just five days after his mother was buried while he was still sitting Shiva and said that she wanted nothing more to do with him due to his political leaning. He wanted my counsel and I told him that unfortunately this kind of scenario is all too common that we don't always know how or have the will to bridge such conflicts and differences in our families. And, you know, my reference point is from living in San Francisco for 17 years and being part of the LGBTQ plus community there. That's a place where most everyone is from somewhere else. Many folks have been rejected by their families of origin 
And so they formed chosen families, as we've talked about. And so these chosen families were groups of people who celebrated holidays together and supported each other through thick and thin, and even cared for each other when they were dying of AIDS. These bonds were at least as strong, and in many cases stronger than those of of nuclear families. Um, But when we talk about the holidays, Christmas and Easter are the holidays when we see most people at church, even if they don't come the rest of the year. And those holidays have enormous religious significance, but they've also become kind of culturally important, even if people are not particularly religious. Uh, A lot of folks still put up Christmas trees and have Easter egg hunts, even if they don't go to church. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't value communal worship anymore, so they don't belong to a faith community. And much to my chagrin, it seems that if a family is split on that point, that the secular side usually wins out when it comes to family celebration. So even uh, the folks who do belong to a church end up celebrating with their secular family members instead of celebrating with their church family. And I just wish that people could find a way to do both. You bring up a lot of good points because I think we we see it. We see it in uh, for all the different faiths and we see it advertised and how the the different celebrations are presented in terms of um, of how they are showcased with purchases made and 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 those kinds of things. Uh, you you shared so much because you talked about at the very beginning of your your conversation talked about the time in San Francisco and and the strength of those uh, chosen families that came together to help one another. And uh, when we are alone and uh, those chosen families can be so strong when our own family is not available or is not there for another reason. Reverend Eric, has, has your community experienced any of these similar concerns? Yes, I think so. And um, what what Reverend Kathy is reminding me is that, um, you know, in a lot of ways, families are in crisis. And, um, you know, we we do experience that in religious communities, um, uh, particularly when um, families are um, are are um, opting out of of um, connection in um in an ongoing way um sometimes there are good reasons for that and other times it's because you know they're 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 feeling a little bit lost unsettled um stressed that the anxiety that um just kind of surrounds so much um becomes more than can be um uh can be carried and and sort of isolation um becomes the the path instead of connection I really believe with my colleagues that um, that that challenge that that the um, you know the, the the crises that families are facing is a um, a call to um, to action for religious communities to be able to address that to remind people that um, that life doesn't have to be like that that um, that we are invited to not be anxious and to um, center uh, first things first. And um, that connection, that um, family, that um, uh, spirit uh, are, um, are, are not secondary matters. And um, that religious community can help people to, um, to, find, to remember and to find their way back to those um, priorities. 
I think that's a strong pathway for the religious community to help people to find their way back because sometimes it's hard or people are afraid. Are there ways that your community helps remove some of those barriers that we think are there or that we might have put there that make it hard to return or hard to begin uh, for the first time? Can you give us an example of that that might be at, at your at at the Universalist Society? Sure, and I, I'm sure my colleagues can say yes. a word or two about that too. I, so um, I think it's uh, reminding people who are already in the congregation that it is a central part of uh, of their ministry to open the door as widely as possible for folks who aren't that that in many ways that's even more important than the folks who have already found the congregation being served uh that it's the service to folks who have not been welcomed in yet um that is kind of the uh, the greater calling um and you know that there's a balance there obviously oh you know there's there's all sorts of um of of serving and needing that happens in ministry but reminding people that that's one of the big ones uh is um is an important piece of the puzzle um and you know i i say that knowing that one of the scariest things uh that a person can do these days is to visit a religious community for the first time. I mean, it's it's just fraught with anxiety. So please, let's, regardless of religious community, let's make that as easy as possible for folks who are um, needing that connection to do. And um, we have a responsibility to try to help that to happen. Rabbi Tom, can you um, contribute to this uh, particular theme that we're on with uh, welcoming and opening that door and, and uh making it easier for the person? Well, my short answer will be simply, amen. I agree with everything. But let me just add a few more points. I think it's true. People do get concerned about coming into religious communities, and in particular, I think, because they have a picture often that a religious community knows what a family is, and they may not be that family. That they assume a religious community means that this is a place for a mother and a father and their children, and they're all going to look, you know, a certain way, and that's the, the, the definition. And, you know, we need to take particular efforts, we've been trying to in our congregation, to let people know, no, there are so many kinds of family. Reverend Kathy talked about the LBGTQ uh, plus community, and yeah, you know, so a family with two mothers, two fathers, uh, some, uh, a mother who had not started out as a father and became a mother, um, children who may well have been, you know, may well be wondering about and working through what their uh, identities are in, you know, in more ways than we used to think about working through your identities. A couple who've decided not to have children, a couple who uh, wants to have children and can't, a couple, a, a person who is an individual and has chosen, you know, I, not to be with somebody else in their family, but still be part of the larger synagogue family. I mean, the, the, the rabbis said years ago that you, you that a teacher would count as, uh, as his, it was a his in those days, as his uh, child, uh, a student. Well, broaden that and say that we as a community count everyone as our, uh, every 
student, every person as being our children, our family. So we have to have this big view that, you know, families are changing, but there's something core about them that is a sense of understanding, concern, and respect. And that's really what defines a family more than anything else. And we need to find ways to let people know that they are welcomed into our places of worship and they are desired for who they are. I like that. Understanding, concern, and respect and, and, and to be welcoming because uh, as all of you have shared, family looks different all the time throughout our lives and every family is different just from one to another. It, and, and there are so many opportunities to create that family and to create that understanding, that caring, that uh, respect for one another. Um, and it's so important now when we, we've been in the holiday season since the early fall, and we'll be celebrating in different ways into January. And all of us come into families, and, uh, and, and that's what you're, you're, you've been talking about. Before we bring this conversation to uh, closure, is there anything that you haven't said that you've wanted to say that, that didn't come up? I just, I just wanted to add to what my colleagues have said um, that we need to, I think it goes beyond welcome and invitation it, that we have to get the message out that we are non-judgmental, that, uh, that we don't condemn any particular kind of family. Um, you know, and in addition to the, the labels that Tom listed, uh, I'm going to say adopted children, step families, multiracial families, you know, it doesn't matter how you define family or what it looks like, that that we will more than tolerate you, we will love you. That's absolutely beautiful. More than tolerate, we will love. That is words to remember and to take forward in, in the day. Then as part of our show, we always bring it together with a spiritual focus. And today, the spiritual focus is going to be led by Rabbi Tom. I mentioned the tradition in Judaism of blessing children. And there's a, there's a, there are prayers for this. I want to share them with you. One is that there's a prayer for blessing boys and for blessing girls. And we're still working on uh, uh, devising new ones for uh, the folks who, who uh, regard themselves as non-binary. But the, the prayer for blessing girls is... It makes some sense. It's may God make you like uh, Sarah and Rebecca, Rachel and Leah, you know, the, the matriarchs from the, uh, from the Torah. But for boys, there's a prayer that comes out of this week's reading of the Torah. Uh, it's when Jacob blesses the sons of Joseph and God says that the people should say, as we do to this day, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Okay, so Ephraim and Manasseh, probably not your most well-known biblical figures. But it was pointed out that one thing about Ephraim and Manasseh is they're the first set of brothers that you read about, the first siblings that you read about uh, in the Torah, who didn't have issues with each other. You know, everybody else, starting with Cain and Abel, gets somewhat better, but still pretty bad for many ways after that. But for Ephraim and Manasseh, we don't have that. And so the request is that you be able to be loving and caring and understanding and, and together as they were. And then we go on to say, 
this is a prayer that this is it's a text from numbers it's used in both judaism and christianity but this is how you bless the children you say may god may god bless you and keep you uh, may god so you know may god look after you may god watch over you may god's presence give light to you may may we live every day in the light of grace and understanding and compassion and finally may god's face be lifted up to you and give you peace and may we find in this month in every month a chance for true peace and understanding a connection a um, coming together so that when we come from all our different places we have the sense that we are here together with each other, loving and caring for each other. Amen. Those are wonderful thoughts for us to take with us as we bring this show to a close. Absolutely wonderful thoughts. And um, on behalf of Franklin TV and radio, I thank you for spending this time with us today. We thank you for Rabbi Tom, Reverend Kathleen McAdams, Reverend Eric Cherry, and our technician who's making this all possible. Keith Palmieri. We look forward to sharing another show with you in January 2022.